the church. Without the church, the testimony of God would be lost. The church is not an institution for perfect people. The church is faulty. The church is imperfect. It is a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace. A people who give and receive sympathy and guidance. A nursery for God's sweet children to be nurtured and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep. The home for Christ's family. The church is the dearest place on earth. Good morning. How are we? Are you guys, are you asleep? Man, we better not turn on the lights next time. How are we? Good. Hey, if you have a Bible, go to Ephesians 2. We're going to be in Ephesians 2 this morning. Um, if you do not have a Bible, back at the Connection Center, there are Bibles back there, uh, and we'd love to give that to you. Uh, so uh, if you'd like to make your way back there now or after service uh, and grab one of those Bibles, if you do not have one, that is yours. Um, so go to Ephesians Two, um, this morning we're kind of in this topic over the next couple weeks uh, called I Love My Church. And this morning my hope is really out of our conversation to answer what is the church. Um, before you are to really say, man, I love the church, um, we have to answer why is that. So I- I'm just going to get right in the the uh, video you just watched is really an excerpt from a confession written by a pastor named Charles Spurgeon. If you don't know who Spurgeon is, that's okay. You don't need that for context. But he wrote in a letter how the church was the dearest place on earth. But I want to give you some further context. And so what he said was uh, this, and it's in your program for you to hang on to. It says, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, It is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should, as speedily as possible, also give themselves to the Lord's people. How else is there to be a church on the earth? If it is right for anyone to refrain from membership in the church, it is right for everyone, and then the testimony for God would be lost in the world." And so this, this statement and really this topic for us can, can really stir up uh, just some, some, some emotions and some responses that are, that are not towards love. And, and what Spurgeon kind of gives us is a foundation of which we can build upon of what it means to love the imperfect church. And so my goal in this morning is really to do two things. Um, to say this is what the church is. Um, and here's what that means for us. And so this quote, as he, as he puts this together, is really, quite honestly, a confession of an imperfect group of people gathering around Jesus. And so, so let me just tell you this. Don't let this surprise you this morning. 
um, and, and think that, that what we're talking about is, is becoming the perfect little church, and that's why you're going to love it. We are not perfect. This message is not for you to find it that way, for us to become that. We're not perfect. That's not going to be the conversation, okay? And, and I, what I find funny, and the reason why I give you that context, here's why. Because whether, whether it's me inviting people to church or, or people who've fallen out of church or who don't feel interested in going to church, what I find in the conversation that I really kind of find funny and, and somewhat frustrating is, is they feel like they're letting me in on the secret as to why not. Like, you know, I would go, but, you know, that person who, I don't know if you know, is out on parole, is there. Um, or that person who really was uh, kind of the town harlot is there. Or that person who really sold me drugs when I was in high school was there. And, and, and there's this view that our, our church is a place where those people can't be. And that's not true. This, for this to be the dearest place on earth is a group of people gathered around Jesus. And so I believe there's really two things that can hinder our thinking um, and, and our topic this morning when we talk about the church. So there's, there's really two things before we even get into our text that we kind of have to work through before we dive in. Um, and, and I think the first is disappointment and hurt. Um, that, that for a lot of us, we're, we're kind of trying to uh, just navigate through a past experience of disappointment or hurt in the church. Um, so I'm not trying to set up CTK as, as a place, especially CTK here in Cedar Woolley, that's not going to disappoint you. We are going to disappoint you, not intentionally, but at one point, we will disappoint you. We will disappoint one another. I, I mean, just give us a month, give us another quarter. You're going to get disappointed at, at one point, and, and I have about 30 minutes left of teaching, so even in that, there's time, okay? There's time where I can disappoint you. So I just really want us to be honest that, that as we talk about the church being the dearest place on earth, for some of you, you're going, man, I have disappointments. I have hurts in that. But for the believer, the church is, is not perfect. It's important. And some of you walk in with hurts where you're going, man, I just, I really struggle, man. I've really felt hurt. You have some legitimate hurts and pains uh, whether you have caused or that have been caused upon you, and, and, and you're just trying to navigate through that. And so for you, uh, either way, there is there's some maybe type of disappointment or hurt that you're really struggling through, and you're going, man, that idea of just saying uh, the, the church is the dearest place on earth, or I love the church, I don't know about that. I, I can't buy into that. And, and so there's really that, that hurdle for you uh, of, before we get to calling the church the dearest place on earth, we have to be honest about uh, where we are at. Um, and the second, I think, is that uh, for you, maybe a current season of life, you're kind of going, okay, I, I don't really feel like this is the context of, of where we really should go in our, our talking. So, so maybe for you in your head, you're going, okay, pastor, I see where you're going, but uh, I don't really think this is what is relevant to me. This is, this is not the topic I would wish to hear. Why, why, don't, you do, why don't you do a series on marriage? Or, or why don't you talk about sex? All the young people are like, let's talk about sex. You know? or, or for you, maybe uh, you're going, man, I wrestle with depression, anxiety. Let's talk about those things. Let, let's talk about the things that, that I'm kind of dealing with in, in this context right now. 
Can we, can we just talk through that? Um, or maybe money. How, how can I handle my finances better? How can I make more money? How can I get more money in the name of Jesus? Um, you know, let's talk about those things, you know, or you're, you've got relational tension. You're like, man, I want biblical resolve. How do we, how do I do that? So do a series on those things. And, and for some of you, you're kind of thinking that, that the current season you're in, in puts you out of context of going, here's what it is to be invested in the church, to love the church. But can I just tell you this morning, the church has everything to do with those things. The church has everything to do with those things. So as we dive into our topic, where we're going to go is in Ephesians 2, where Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, writing this letter of saying, here's what the church is. Here is what the church is to be about. And so we're going to start in verse 17, and we're going to, I'm going to stop at 19. We're going to go to 22 today, but I'm going to stop at 19. And so in verse 17, it says, And he came and preached, preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so the church is really a people brought together in Christ. The church is a people brought together in Christ. In verse 17, what Paul uh, says is that he, being Jesus, came and preached peace to those that were far off and near. So let me just unpack this a little bit. Those that were near in that context of who Paul is talking to are, are really the Jews, and they were, they were the religiously, uh, those religiously working out their faith, working out their relationship. They're trying to get to God. But Paul makes it clear earlier in the text that this was creating a separation from God because they were so busy in their religiousness. That they were near, they were the, they were the citizens, God's chosen, but they were so focused on their, their religion, their methods, that they were growing farther away from God rather than close. And when Jesus came and preached peace, they were the near. And so for some of you, that story relates in being near. I mean, and here's what I mean by that. You, for you, maybe you grew up in the church. You grew up like mom and dad woke up early on a Sunday morning. They dressed you in your best you went to Awanas, and, and you knew all of the Bible verses, right? Like, like if we were to put all the patches and medals that you got in Awanas, like, you'd look like Patton. Like, you just, you are decked out. And you knew everything. You knew all of the verses. You knew all the terminology. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of you trying to pursue perfect religion, Jesus meets you. He captures your soul, and he wins you over. He captures your soul, and you just fall in love with him. And so that's an example of, of what it would be for you to be saved, those who are near. And some of you were saved that were, that were near-ish. Some of you were near, but, but kind of near-ish. So w- what I mean by that is you didn't really grow up in the church. You, you just kind of did. Like mom and dad brought you uh, to church. They woke you up, and, and you guys showed up late. So late, you're going, you're speeding down the road to church. Dad is swearing the whole time. In fact, that's probably where you learned to swear um, from dad on the way to church. 
you know, and, and it's 106.5 the whole way there because that's what mom believes is going to unite the family. And so you guys pull into church and in the hopes of experiencing this family unit. And some of you were involved in church and, and you try to navigate through that and, and you've begun to learn the lingo. You, you kind of get, you, you get the church gossip, how the church people are working. But you know these things better than you know Scripture. And you'd rather engage in a conversation of gossip than engage in praying out loud. And, and so this is kind of the, the, the life of someone who was near-ish. Someone who never really saw Christ-centered living. Like, like they saw the, the church-going Christian life, but they never really saw Christ-centered living Monday through Saturday. And, and so they, they never felt like, man, I was, I, I'll never meet up with uh, the kid uh, from Awanas, who's just nailing it, who really is near. And so you feel like, maybe for you, you felt like you were falling short. You weren't reaching that, that perfect nearness to God. You felt like you weren't making it. So then you just cry out to God. Maybe for some of you, this is your story. That you just cry out to God. You feel exhausted, like you've, you've just exhausted all of the ways in which you can work for God. And you just cry out to him, almost frustrated. I am tired. I can't do this anymore. And that's where Jesus just begins to woo your heart and says, then come here. Then come here. I've been waiting for you to be done. And in the midst of that, you just feel freedom. And that is where Jesus saves you. And so there are those that are near, as they're being brought together in Christ, there are those that are near, as Paul says, and there, there are those that are kind of near-ish. And then there are some that were saved that were far off, as Paul talks about. And the context of what Paul's talking about is the Galatians, those that were not citizens together, but that became that. And so what that means in our context is, is maybe someone who, who grew up just kind of seeing church uh, didn't really understand and, and uh, once attended, but just their heart was just hardened and they just left. They're just going, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't like this. I don't want this. And so they, they're, they're trying to do better. They're trying to uh, do more. And they're continually failing and falling. And, and they just feel lost. And then in their story, through a relationship or through a moment, Jesus rescues them. And so they are far off, brought near. And for some who are far off, they, they have a story of addiction, of dabbling in drugs, dabbling in alcohol, dabbling in a, in a lifestyle that, that, that contradicts with Christ. And so for them, it just led to a, a string of bad decisions, burnt bridges, uh, things where their life just felt like it was crumbling and just wasting away. And then Jesus meets them in the midst of their addiction and rescues them. And so these are, these are examples of those that were far off being brought near. And someone who comes out of a, a broken home and just the whole idea of church being a family just wrecks them and not in a good way. Where they're just going, I can't, I can't do that. I can't buy into that. I can't be a part of a church as it relates to a family. And so they try to go and find their identity in everything else but Christ. And they try to fit this gaping hole in their heart with everything else. And nothing fits. 
And then in that moment, Jesus meets them there. He brings peace to their lives and shows that the only thing that fits in that gaping space is Jesus himself is Jesus himself. And so these are some examples of those that were near, near near-ish, and far off. And see, the church is all of these stories everywhere. All of these stories of those that were near, those that were far off, across all time, from thousands of years ago to the last hours of late. And, And these are the people who have trusted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Those that, have been, those that were near, those that were far off. These are the people who are saved by who Jesus is, by believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus came and he preached peace to both of these, to unite them together, to bring them together in the same place. Here's the interesting thing. To bring them together in the same place. And so as you step into this building, you step into this space of this community center, it's not this space that makes it a church. It's not this space that defines it, the way we decorate it, the way we prepare, the the way we set out the seats, the way we have the band. This is not what defines it as the church. And and in fact, these are typical spaces where we gather where it once wasn't very spiritual. It wasn't a very spiritual place to be. I mean, Cedra Woolley CTK, I remember when I was younger coming and visiting um, and being a part of the worship teams. I mean, CTK Cedra Woolley has met in a restaurant. They've met in a school. They've met in the community center. We've met in the senior center. Those, those typically aren't very spiritual places. That's, that's not what you would call, like, hey, that's a church. No, that's a school, you know? I mean, for, for CTK in Mount Vernon on Riverside, their campus was previously a club. It was owned by the Elks. I mean, in the first couple services, they pointed fans out in the directions of the wind to get all the smoke out of the building. That was not a spiritual place to gather, right? And then CTK Bellingham, that was once a grocery store. So how do you make a spiritual moment out of a place you once bought toiletries, right? And so these are not spiritual places in of themselves. And in these examples, I mean, we could gather in a barn we could, we could sit in a circle outside. We could meet at my house. We wouldn't all fit, but we could do it, right? So we could gather in those places, and that would be where the church was. That would be where the church was, because it's not the building. That's not what defines us as the church. The church is the people of God, united together from far and from near brought together by Christ. Brought together by Christ and in Christ. And so we gather in this local church for a specific reason. To celebrate who Christ is and to be equipped to go out and to be that church. That's why it's not defined by the building. And and I think too that's that's why churches look so different. I mean, we can so get carried away. I mean, if you go to a church with pyrotechnics, you're, I mean, that's my first thought. They are getting carried away. And there are those churches, just so you know. Um, there are those churches that really care about certain spaces 
of the area, and we can get very carried away. We can get carried away in the details of how we do the Sunday morning. But I think as we gather, it's so intentional, and God begins to use our giftings together for us to be the church. Like those that set up and tear down, if, you're, if, if you don't do that, and the reason why you haven't wanted to do that or serve as a part of the body, and you're going, man, I don't need another task. No, you don't. What you need is the community of people working together to become the church. And so if, if someone stands up and says, hey, man, you, man, we would love for you to be involved in set up teardown. No, we don't want to wear you out. Let me just say that. We don't want to wear you out. We don't want you to get involved in 10 different areas. But what we want to see, what I, as your pastor, want to see is you being invested into a group of people and modeling what the church is. Modeling what the church is. Preparing for this to be a place of spiritual encounter for the body. Not for the building, for the body. And, and I think we can get carried away. I mean, I went off topic and got way carried away. But I think we have a tendency to do that, but we gather for a very specific reason. And so the church is a people being brought together. And then we see as we come together, the church is a people built together in Christ. The church is a people built together in Christ and not just automatically built but in the process of building. And so we're going to read the last piece of Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, picking up in verse 20. And it says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now Paul uses the word cornerstone. And I really love this name. I promised myself if I was to ever go somewhere and plant a church, I wanted to call it Cornerstone. Because I, and we're not going to change our name, don't worry. But I, I just really love that name because it's, it really says that the foundation upon which we are built is Christ. I mean, there is no question about, if you name a church that, that is a desire to say we want to be built on the foundation upon Christ. And if you've ever done any building, you know that the proper placement of a cornerstone ensures a straight and level foundation. I mean, I remember building a shed at our house down in Everett with my dad. We spent so much time on the foundation, I gave up on the shed. Um, but I tell you what, if I had given up sooner, uh, you'd walk in and just start to drag, you know. But because the foundation was of utmost importance, it was level. It was sound and structured. It was not wavering, built upon a quick assembly. It was built upon Christ and nothing else. And so Paul applies this uh, analogy, this example of Christ, this metaphor, as showing that he is the central person, the central one of the church. So he is the very reason for it. He is the very reason for the, the church. 
And so Paul uses this terminology of building, and and what this would have meant to the Ephesians, what this would have meant to the people reading his letter as he had written, is that you're not there yet. You're not there yet, and the growth is going to come from your lives through Christ. You are not there yet. You're not completely built up. It is the process of you being built up. And this is what we see in the church. This church is what we need to understand, is there is a process in a believer's life. I mean, from the moment of conversion, maturity does not come. From the moment of conversion, maturity does not come. I mean, in infancy, uh, right now, for example, my son gives, adds, adds nothing other than cuteness to the family, okay? Okay, cuteness factor he pays into very well. But, I mean, he takes energy, he takes money, he takes time, right? He takes, and that is for my son what that looks like in his infancy. And then as he grows up into his teen years, as I work to model a Christ-centered life for him and responsibility and decision-making skills, then those things are handed off more to him. Not immediately, but hand it off more. At 15, you know, we're not going to go car shopping and say, how do you feel about financing this? How's your job working? And what's your, you know, 401k and what's your income base? Can you do this at 15? That's not going to be the conversation. But the conversation is going to be, are you responsible enough to get your permit and use the family vehicle? And so there's the process of me investing in him as he grows into his teenage years to develop discernment and grow into maturity. Right? Because conversion is not the outcome of maturity. Okay? And so then as he grows into his adulthood, our relationship begins to shift even more. And no longer is it me saying, this is how you lead your life, but making investments as he chooses by the leading of Christ, by the grace of God to lead his life in a godly way. And so our relationship shifts, and and then from there, it's me modeling to him adulthood as he tries to navigate through it. And so right now, I I just want to give you an example. What if right now, because my son just takes, right? There's there's not much he gives, right? He gives the cute factor, but what if right now I decide I don't want him? If I decide that and, and I ignore or neglect him because it's just easier it's just, it's just easier if I don't have to have all those things taken from me. I don't have to worry about his needs. I don't have to worry about getting up early in the middle of the night, trying to navigate through parenting and figure that out. So, so then I reject my child for the ease of myself. So, so now immediately my wife and I are fully divided because I've rejected him, I don't want anything to do with him, and you know mama wants everything to do with him. And so in this moment, we're kind of at this, this tension of this divide, because she wants the child, and I want adult relationships that don't need much, can more give, and, and not take as much. See, this is a church issue. This right here is a church issue because we're at this divide where there are some who want to care deeply for the needs of others and some going, ah, that, that's a lot of take. That's a lot of take. Because they were converted, therefore shouldn't maturity be coming now? Which the answer to that is no. They are an infant in Christ. And so the relationship begins 
to shift. And so there isn't going to be this conversation with my son that's five, you know, at age five of going, you know what, because you can't really contribute, you know, you're kind of growing out of the the cute factor and you're not bringing in much financially uh, to our home, you got to go. You got to go. You're not giving much, so you've got to go. That, that's not going to be a conversation, but there would be a conversation if he disregarded the authority of our home. He wouldn't go, but there would be a conversation if he disregarded or disrespected the authority of the home. There would be discipline, right? There would be healthy discipline in love to both model to my son. Here's what it looks like to walk in an adult relationship based upon Christ-like living. And so there would be that conversation, not the you gotta go because you're not providing, but the this is what it looks like for you to follow in the footsteps of this family, to be a part of this. There is some discipline in here. And so in the church, we have this, this issue where we're not sometimes fully identifying who are the infants, who are the teens, who are the adults? And let me tell you this that makes it harder. It's not by your age. Because there are some of you that are adults and spiritually you're infants. I'm just gonna be honest with you right now. There are some of you that are teens in, in your actual uh, age, but, but you've reached a level of adulthood through, through the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's not you. And if you're there, that's because of the Holy Spirit. That's not because of you anyways. And so it's not defined by our, our age, it's defined by our maturity in Christ. And in the church, we need to identify this. We need to begin to see where the needs are. Man, is that, is that an infant? Do they, do they not know how to navigate through decision-making in their life? Is that, is that an adult? Can they help me navigate through issues in my life? And, and all the more in that, growing into maturity together. Growing into maturity together because we're being, we're a people built together, right? And so we're building on this together. And so this issue is not something new. Most of the issues we encounter may look a little different, but they are issues of what we will find uh, issues and resolves for in Scripture. The writer in Hebrews states this in Hebrews 5. It says, about this, we have much to say. And what the writer's talking about is who Jesus is, that he is the high priest. About this, we have much to say, but it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So I've, I've explained this before in one way. You know, a, a little child in a, in a kiddie pool is cute. A 40-year-old man with floaties is gross. <laughs> right? And, and, and that's, that's kind of how that looks. And so we need to really identify, is there a 40-year-old man sitting in the pool? Well, then we need to kick him out and, and teach him how to swim. And, and, and really navigate through that in the reality of, is there a fear there to swim? Not just, okay, let's push you into the deep end, figure it out. Uh, go, go do some precepts, go study theology, and go figure it out for yourself. But walking them through it. And so what it means to be the church is really a group of people built together on the foundation of Christ, identifying 
who are the infants, who are the teens, who are the adults? And it's not by age. So as you leave from here, it's not a 40-year-old man going and finding a 15-year-old man, boy, and, and them interacting. That most commonly can be. But there are 40-year-old men who, who equally need that guidance, that need out of the kiddie pool and need teaching on how to swim. And so you see, church, you and I, as we're being brought together by Christ and, and through Christ, are together then being built together. And so some of us were, were near, we were working out our salvation, kind of in this religious process that Jesus met us in. Some of us were far off. Some of us have the story of drug addiction, of, of substance abuse, of uh, being far off from God, wanting nothing to do with him, and, and Jesus just preaching the message of peace to us and us meeting him there. But what we need to understand is in all of these stories as we're being built together, all are welcome to receive the message of peace through Jesus. All who would receive that are welcome to hear that and to be in a group where they would watch people model that. And so God has really laid this foundation for us to be the church. So what is the church? I mean, if we're take, to take away the fill-in points, it's the people. The people. And he does this through his word constantly. God lays out for us who, how the church is to function, what the church is about. And he continually says, man, I've created you. I'm building you up. And this is how I build you. I don't just put some little rock in the corner and call it a foundation over there. No, I build you together on a solid foundation, and that is Christ. And so all of us together, we're different sizes, we're different shapes, inside and out. And, and, I'm, I, and, and Jesus is just saying, I'm going to fit you together into something spectacular. I'm going to bring you together as something spectacular. So this is what we've been called to. This is what it means for us to be the church. This is what the church is. God shaping us into a people that has been loved by a God with genuine love, sacrificial love, and a mighty pursuit of his people. And it causes us, when we encounter this genuinely, it causes us and it calls us out to love his broken and messy and sometimes often dysfunctional church. And that's where as we commit to that process, I mean, we're, we're in the most non-committal space of our culture. I mean, we're a non-committal people. Like, 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 it's really easy for us to come in sometimes to say, like, I'm a part of this, but we're not really a part of this. We don't want to be committed. We don't want to be tied down. If I gave up my rest day for, for, for you, or if I, man, if I had to drive far to engage with you, we, man, we, want, we don't want to do that. We're, we're in this non-committal culture, but that's not what we're called to. And so because of what God has done, that's what causes us to enter into relationship with the church, being brought together as a people for God, by Christ, built together. And that's where a switch happens and we begin to say, man, I love the church. 
I'm not trying to see it become perfect. Are there disappointments? Yeah, yeah. Are there hurts that, that I'm trying to work through, that we need to work through? Yeah, yeah. But because what Christ has done to bring us together and build us up, that is where then we say, what is the church? It's a people gathered under the name of Jesus. Let's pray.